0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Biden administration wants agencies to do more to educate prospective federal employees, new hires and current staff about their collective bargaining rights and information on joining a union. The Office of Personnel Management issued new guidance to agencies, in fact, earlier this week. OPM, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, and Vice President Kamala Harris announced these new actions at a recent event at the White House. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco has the details. And Nicole, let's start with what exactly the administration is asking agencies to do here.
0: From our perspective, the two sort of concrete items from this announcement were two pieces of guidance that OPM put out just the other day. One encouraged agencies to, in their job announcements, include whether or not the position was a bargaining unit position and to name the union representing the bargaining unit and other details about the job. And then the second piece of guidance essentially encouraged agencies to regularly remind current federal employees about their collective bargaining rights, which are set in the law, and also provide them information again about the bargaining unit at their agency. I should also add that the guidance recommends that agencies do more to make this information available during the onboarding process, the orientation process. And OPM and its guidance mentioned that it often hears from federal employees who really had no idea they were in a bargaining unit to begin with and have very little information about what that means, who actually represents them, if it's AFGE, NTEU, one of the others, and who their local representatives are and how they can contact them. I'll say, Tom, I think it's important to note that the federal government has a bit of a unique posture here when it comes to these federal unions. So the unions are required to represent everyone in the bargaining unit, but not everyone in the bargaining unit is required to be a dues paying member. And those unions have to represent everyone regardless of whether or not they do pay dues. So the White House, according to some data that they provided, said that, all right, so there's around 2.1 million federal employees and a little more than half of them 1.2 million um, are considered collective bargaining unit members. And of that number, uh, there are 835,000 or so who are not dues-paying members and could be if they wanted to.
1: All right. And this all stems from an executive order back in April, correct?
0: That's right. So this order created a new task force on worker organizing and empowerment, and it was supposed to look at you know, ways that the government could mobilize its resources and encourage employee organizing and increase union density. And that is inside the private sector, but also the public sector as well. And the order mentions, you know, having the federal government serve as a model for this. And so at this White House event just the other day, we heard a little bit more about sort of the rationale for this Vice President Kamala Harris and Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, they're the chairman of this task force, and here's Harris.
2: Our administration has been working to help folks, in particular in the federal government, organize and collectively bargain. And there are two main reasons. We believe that a stronger workforce is the work that will happen to create actually higher productivity and lower turnover. We also believe that this is about respecting the dignity of all work and respecting the dignity of workers. Second, we're doing this because we believe and know that workers are entitled to be paid wages commensurate with their value.
0: It's Vice President Kamala Harris talking about the initiatives that the Biden administration rolled out and you know, Tom, there was also a lot of talk about the unions and federal jobs specifically, and I've heard this actually mentioned multiple times, not just in this this forum here, but federal jobs being a pathway to the middle class. That's how the Biden administration views them anyway. And OPM Director Kieran Ahuja expands on that a little bit more. Being the largest employer in the nation, I think people sometimes forget that. Uh, the federal government has a responsibility to lead by example when it comes to labor rights and to make sure that all federal jobs are good jobs. That's OPM Director Kieran Ahuja. And one other thing I'll say about this, Tom, and I, I think this would come as no surprise, but, you know, the actions that the Biden administration took the other day, let's face it, they are in stark contrast to the actions that we saw of the previous administration and uh The two largest federal employee unions, AFGE and NTEU, they were quick to point that out. They were excited to praise the actions that the administration took and you know, generally are in favor of them.
1: Yes, as Gomer Pyle used to say, surprise, surprise, surprise. Although we should point out that the federal employee viewpoint scores did rise a little bit under the previous Trump administration. So these things have a lot of cross currents to them. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, and I want to pivot to something else you've been covering about the vaccine mandate. The Veterans Health Administration has actually implemented one, and they were early on to this. What's the status as the uh, early adopter here?
0: So VA Secretary Dennis McDetta, he has monthly press briefings with reporters, and last month, came to the podium with really just an array of data describing how many employees had attested to their status, how many were vaccinated. And this was across the Veterans Health Administration, but also their other two administrations. And most recently, Tom, when he came to the podium, did not have as much to offer on that front. I think because this mandate has changed over time, the data the department initially provided was from Simply employees attesting that they had been vaccinated, not that they had physically uploaded documents to prove that they were. And so VA did not have a ton of information to share about where they were with this mandate, although they had until employees had until October 8th to respond to it. So here's what we know we know that 70% of VHA's 380,000 person workforce has responded to the vaccine mandate. So that's about 266,000 people. And more or less, they've uploaded the documentation one way or the other. So that doesn't mean that 70% of the VHA workforce is vaccinated and the other 30% is not. We really don't know yet. And the secretary didn't want to go into many of those details because he says they're still going through sure. a large amount of data. What he did say is that counseling has begun for those that 30%, who did not respond to the mandate. And that is what they're considering the first step of a disciplinary process for those who have not yet complied. Interestingly enough, um, VA did talk a little bit about the medical and religious exception piece of this. Of course, employees have the ability to request an accommodation. And again, not specific details on this, but McDonough says that the number of people who have requested one of those exceptions is a bigger number than those who requested a similar exception to last year's flu shot mandate, which I thought was interesting. And McDonough says VA is, you know, going to take these exceptions seriously. They're not going to question the legitimacy of someone's religious request. But
2: we will, of course, try to accommodate the religious exception for an employee who has sought the religious exemption, exemption from being vaccinated. But if we're not able to operate certain health care capabilities or provide certain services, for example, if too many employees claim an exemption, this would present an undue hardship to us and ultimately to the veteran. So in that case... When we're faced with an undue hardship by a lack of a vaccinated employee, my intention is to deny that employee again in an incident of undue hardship, deny that that employee the religious exception.
0: VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, I think very carefully laying out his thoughts on how VA might proceed with these exceptions. But I think the bottom line from his message is, look, if they receive too many exception requests. Sure. Might not be able to grant all of them.
1: And I'm sure all of that language was cleared with general counsel. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out all of her coverage at
2: federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first-night-back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.